Turn in your Bible to Matthew 28 and Matthew 7. Matthew 28, Matthew 7. And let me say this this summer. Here's our emphasis. Here's a financial emphasis beyond just uh, strengthening, uh, you know, our, our, our general fund and strengthening our ties. Uh, we have an emphasis towards Haiti in the next couple of months. In fact, at the end of August, I'll be traveling to Haiti uh, with a number of our other Church on the Rock uh, network pastors. And we're going to be holding a conference and a, and a, and a, not really a revival, but an outreach. And so there'll be evangelism efforts in the evening and pastoral and leadership ministry during the day. It's been a while since I've been there. And so our, vac- our vacation Bible school fundraiser is going to be about Haiti. And so I want to encourage you this summer. How many of you would like to make a, uh, an investment in the kingdom of God that will make a huge difference? That's what we want to do. And so you keep that in mind as we uh, look to the summer and say, hey, this summer, I'm not going to just take a vacation and spend all my extra money. I'm going to invest in Haiti as well. So if you want to do that, uh, you, you make out your check, just make it out to Haiti, uh, make it out to Church on the Rock North and put in the note or on your envelope, Haiti emphasis. And everybody said, amen. Are you in Matthew 28? Father, thank you for the word of God. May it make a big difference in our lives, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. As you know, for the past now, I think this is the fifth week, we've been talking about the disciple makers, our mission and our vision. Uh, and we've been, our keynote verse, of course, is Matthew 28, 18 and 19, and it's called the great what? The great commission. We've been commissioned by God to accomplish something and to do something And it's verse 19 and 20. He said, go therefore and do what? Everybody say, make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So we see that the great commission that God's given the church, He's given to each of us, is to make disciples. Now quickly, I'm going to run through some things just that are reviewed. Uh, our mission statement, our the disciple makers, our mission statement, it has fourfold thought that all blend together to, to fulfill the Great Commission. Let's read it out loud together. Here's what God has called us to do here at Church on the Rock North. We're called to, we're called to, we're called to, and we're called to. Man, you put those things together, you put them in a blender and mix them all up, you know what you've got, the Great Commission. God brought us together. In fact, it's interesting to me that God brought the church together and then gave them the Great Commission. We gather together, we grow together, we give of ourselves and of our resources together, and we go together. That's the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that He's commanded us, and, lo, I'm with you always, He said, even to the end of the age. Amen. So that great commission, listen, for all of us, here's, this, here's another statement. It's, the, it's a cross-cultural core calling and command of the great commission to all Christians is to make disciples of all nations. And it's for everybody. No one is exempt. Every believer, every, every Christian has a, it's cross-cultural. In fact, it's interesting to me. Uh, we go to, to nation, different nations and you know what those, di- and, and send missionaries 
to different nations. You know what some of those nations are doing that we're sending missionaries to? They're sending missionaries to the United States. They realize, man, the United States needs Jesus. I'm thinking, that's powerful. And it's the calling of God and the command of God and the commission of God for all of us to make disciples. And so with that, here's the definition we've been get, been given, uh, been giving you about a true disciple. A true disciple is a dedicated and disciplined follower of Jesus who has embraced the calling and the command of God to make disciples. That's why we're sharing about the disciple makers. Uh, and so we've, we've talked a lot about Jesus and about how he made disciples, how he called us to make disciples. And we've kind of landed at, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, with Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the first recorded message of Jesus where he's talking to his disciples. And really the theme of the Sermon on the Mount, it could be the lifestyle of a disciple. Because he's talking to his disciples. Now, the multitudes were listening, and undoubtedly he was speaking to them as well. Uh, uh, and, 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 uh, and the word of God does not return void, but it says there in the beginning of Matthew uh, 5, 6, and 7 that he sat down with them, uh, his disciples, and began to speak and teach them. And so that's, we've been drawing some lessons from that and the lifestyle of a disciple. Last, or I say last week, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Matthew 5 and we emphasized uh, that we have a lifestyle of influence because he says we are. Everybody say we are. We are what? We are salt. Everybody say salt. And we are, that's people of influence. So disciples are people of influence. We influence other people to become disciples. And so we are salt and we are light. Shannon, what are you, look at there. Shannon's being a babysitter over there. I just, how cute is that? Yeah, mama's kind of watching. You see, she's angled. She's angled there a little bit. Is he doing okay? He's hanging in there. Okay. That's great. I looked over, double take. I thought, Shelly, I didn't know. <laughs> Amen. That's pretty cool. So we looked at the life, uh, disciples are to live a lifestyle of influence. And this morning, I want to talk to you about what undoubtedly to God is a very important uh, uh, thought about being disciples and about making disciples. We're going to talk about the lifestyle of giving. You see, if you remember, we're called, we're, we're, we're called to gather, we're called to grow, we're called to give, and we're called to go. And so we're going to look at that. I want you to look in Matthew chapter 6. Let me read the first four verses to you. And if you're, if you're with me and looking at those verses, say, I'm right there with you, Pastor. Here he goes. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, or let me just say, and as we'll talk about in a moment, when you give... In fact, King James uses the word alms. When you do your charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, <coughs> pardon me, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may not may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you 
openly. And everyone said, Amen. Now, let me kind of give you a kind of a big biblical insight about giving today, because this undoubtedly is speaking of monetary giving. And basically in Scripture, there <coughs> pardon me, in Scripture, there's basically three types of biblical monetary giving. You know, people, we give of our, we call it, we say we give of our time, our treasure, and our talents. All those three are important. In this context, he's speaking of monetary giving. And so let me give you kind of the biblical basis. There's three types of giving in Scripture. The first one we all know as tithes. Everyone say tithes. Okay? In fact, it's very scriptural. Malachi 3, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, so if I'll not open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing. Okay? And somebody said, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, uh, the New Testament, Jesus speaks to the uh, the Pharisees about tithing, and, and they were tithing, but they had the wrong attitude and the wrong mindset about it. And Jesus said, you should do that, but this is the way you need to do that. How many of you know Jesus believed in the Old Testament principle of tithing? And so that's been passed down to us. And, and so that's one of the first. In fact, that's really where the message of giving begins. Our first role model, if you will, was Abel. Abel, uh, you remember the, the, the two sons, uh, Cain and Abel. Uh, Cain, uh, he was a, a uh, was he a tiller? He was a tiller of the ground. And, and it says through the course of time when he got gained some uh, resources, he gave some back to God. But it says of Abel, who raised sheep, that from the first fruits, he gave an offering to the Lord. In other words, he gave a tithe. And so, so that's really where it all began. So that's the first uh, of, uh, of uh, the three different types of monetary giving that God looks to us. And, and really, uh, this is really a requirement from God. Uh, and, and as a disciple, uh, we are to be givers. And so there's tithes. And then there's offerings. Offerings are something above the tithe. In fact, Psalm 96 verse 8 says something along this line. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord. I think it says this in the beauty of holiness. And when you look to scripture and throughout scripture, people brought offerings to the Lord. That's something above the tithe. In fact, if you went back to Malachi, God said, how have you robbed me? And he said, well, you've robbed me. How have we robbed you? You've robbed me in tithes and offerings. In other words, on some level, both of these things are required by God uh, for us to monetarily sow seed in different areas. And as you know, the tithe goes into the storehouse. That's what your local church offerings. I just talked to you about a special missions offering that we can give to Haiti. And then there's a third type, which is this Matthew 6, verse 1 through 4, and it's the alms gift. He's talking about charitable deeds, not just actions, but financial investment and helping the poor. How many of you know the Bible says he who lends, uh, helps the poor lends to the Lord and God will repay. And so this is this type of, of, of giving when Jesus says, and when you do your 
alms gift. When you help the poor, don't be like the religious people who want to be seen by man. Look what we have done. We have given this. We have given that. He says they have their reward. He says, when you do this, do it in secret. And your father who sees in secret, he will reward you openly. So that's the alms gift. And I love Acts 10. I may have to go preach from Cornelius a little bit. Cornelius, the Bible says, though he wasn't a Jew, he was a devout man, and he prayed to God always. And God heard his prayer. You know the story. God used Peter and Cornelius uh, to come together. Peter brought the gospel to Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the Gentiles as well. You remember that in Acts 10? Well, the Bible says about Cornelius, when the angel visited him, he says, your prayers, catch this, and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Your prayers and your alms. Now, go back to the context of Matthew 6. Jesus said, when you give, basically, and then if we go down to verse 5, though we're not talking about prayer, then he says, when you pray. It's almost like these two things go hand in hand. And, 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 God saw the heart of Cornelius. He heard his prayer and his gifts ascended as a memorial before God. I'm telling you, that got me fired up today. In fact, let's do something. You want to do something? You don't want to just do something crazy. You don't want to do something crazy. Good, crazy good. Let me ask this question. Let's just stop right now. Let me do this right here. Turn my phone off. I don't know. It's just somebody wants to talk to me. I better turn that off. Yeah, uh, yeah, turn that off, turn that off. Call decline, there you go. And turn it, I thought I muted that guy. That's the first time that's happened in a while. This will be a bad recording. Here we go. Beverly, I don't think I muted it, so they may try to call back. So let's do something crazy wild. Let me ask this question. How many of you know someone right now who 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 needs... They could really use someone's alms gift. They need, they have a financial need that you know about and it's legitimate, uh, and, and they need some resources. Is there anybody here? You, you say, I know somebody. Jim knows somebody. You can give a testimony. They gave alms this morning. God's, you know what? God's going to hear your prayer and and your alms are going to ascend as a memorial before God. Who else has somebody in their life you know that ne- you know somebody that needs an, an alms gift? You do you do all many of you do. Okay. Now, let's do something. Jim, let's just you I don't know who that you have that needs an alms gift. And I don't know how much it is. Uh but let's do that. I trust Jim. I know all these are probably legit. Let's give, we don't even know who it is, but I trust Jim and Trish. Uh, it, to, in fact, right now, you want to just do something crazy? Get some cash out right now. Get some cash out. You got some cash? We're going to give this to Jim and Trish, and they're going to go to whoever it is. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to know. And you're going to say, you know, God was speaking to Pastor Sal, uh, and, uh, and, and, and he, you just tell them the story. All right. Somebody go down the aisle. Go down the aisle. Here we go, guys. Uh, g- let's, let's gather up some cash. My, Mark, help us out. Josh, help us out. Be, there you go. Just hand, hand us some cash. You got some cash. This is not for them as much as it is for us. This is for us too. We're going to bless them. We got it in the hat. Here we go. Handing up cash. I don't have my wallet. Beverly gave some cash. Bring it to Jim and Trish. 
uh, and they're going to give an alms gift. Whoo, I'm feeling good this morning. Somebody say, I feel good. Bah, 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 bah. Amen. Now, Jim and Trish, do y'all know how much they need, actually? You may not. You don't know, but you know they have a legitimate need. So therefore, there it is. Anybody else? Amen. Trish, you're the money changer in the, no, you're not the money changer. You're just the, you're the, you're the designated giver. Now, let's pray over who that, let's pray over all these, but let's pray over this. Father, we thank you for this alms gift today. Lord, let it bring forth much fruit in our life. In Jesus' name, and bless these people who have needs. Lord, bring them miracles so they will know that you're in charge of their life and you're going to take good care of them in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I saw something on the Internet that blew me away. It made me so happy. It made me jealous. It made me excited. It made me uh, go shazam. And it was a little testimony of now the highest paid NFL player in the history of the NFL, Brandon Carr, okay? He's just been awarded a contract with the, uh, the, the, who is it? What? The Raiders, all right? And here now, they're talking to him about this unbelievable issue and about being, a, being the highest paid NFL player in the history of the NFL. Watch this. And everything are well known, but it is a huge Derek contract. Carr. Um, just, and you're not really an extravagant guy, but is there one thing that you that you're going to sort of splurge on that you can let Chick, us? Chick Fil A, uh, Chick Fil A. Uh, I've been eating clean, lad. We got lad here. He's been having me eat clean. I'll probably get some Chick Fil A, but uh, no. Uh, first thing I'll do is I'll pay my tithe like I have since I was in college. Getting seven hundred dollars on a scholarship check, um, you know that that won't change. I'll do that. Uh, I'll probably give my wife something nice, uh, you know, even though she begs me not to. She, she still gets coupons. Ever since we, ever since I've known her, she finds coupons. She gets online trying to find discounts and all those things, and uh, none, none of that's going to change. The, the exciting thing for me, money-wise, honestly, is that this money is going to help a lot of people. Um, uh, you know, I'm very thankful to have it, that it's in our hands because it's going to help people not only in this country but in a lot of countries around the world, um, and that's what... That's what's exciting to me. Let's give Derek Carr a big hand. God bless him. Now, you say, Pastor, what made you, je- what made you jealous about that? I just wish he was our church member. I'm telling you, there's some pastor somewhere. I don't know where he's from. You might know where he's from. There's a pastor somewhere going, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What a blessing. This guy, undoubtedly, he understood the principle of tithing and giving. And you noticed that he said, this is going to help a lot of people. In other words, he's not just going to pay his tithes. He's going to make a difference uh, in people's lives and ministries and things. So pretty exciting. So, uh, so hey, we as disciples have to live a lifestyle of giving. That has to be our lifestyle. And that's what Derek was saying. This has been my lifestyle since I was in college when I got $700, uh, you know, whatever, a semester or a month on a scholarship. Now, uh, what is it? What did he say? 1.25 a year? Is that what it was? No, t- 100, 125 million over five years. Ooh, that's a lot of tithes right there. Ooh, Jesus. A lot of giving, a lot of... And so... It's just his lifestyle. A lot of, a lot of chicken dinners too. <laughs> yeah, he got Chick-fil-A. He, you'll see him in a commercial. <laughs> I bet Chick-fil-A just went, hallelujah. 
Now, Jesus, when he began to teach the lifestyle of discipleship and about being followers of Christ, and if you're going to be a disciple, you're a disciple maker, he just, he's very clear about being a giver. Now, let's just, you say, well, why did he just mention the alms gift? I'm telling you, that's kind of like the, the, you know, when you study scripture, you know, the base beginning is tithing, and then there's offerings, and then there's the alms gift. Uh, and, and those are things above the tithe where, where at times where we realize we got to step out and help somebody. We got to step out and do this. And so basically what Jesus is teaching us is that we have to have this lifestyle of giving. How many of you know Jesus had a lifestyle of giving? He really did. And so let me just hit some things quickly for you. Just some thoughts. Jesus teaching to his disciples three thoughts. He taught us in these four verses. <coughs> That we need the right motivation. We gotta mo- we gotta be rightly motivated in our giving. We can't have a selfish motivation. And he talked about <coughs> the, the hypocrites. They do it in the synagogues. They want everybody to see how generous they are and pat them on the back. Boy, isn't he great for what he has done? Uh, and so he, 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 he Jesus said, you don't do that. They they get their reward, but it's not God's reward. He says, you do it in secret. So, so he taught us the right motivation. It's really to please and honor God. How many of you know when God wants us even to give an alms gift? Yes, it helps those in need. These few dollars we took up will be beneficial to someone. Someone will sh- probably shed a tear uh, in, in a little bit, a little while, when, when they realize that a church family who doesn't even know who they are decided to give them a little money to help make their day a little better. Uh, that's a blessing to them. But I'm going to tell you, uh, where we... We get blessed and God gets blessed and he looks at us and he wants to know the motivation of our hearts. Uh, and it's not for, for our glory, but it's for God's ultimate glory. In fact, I love Proverbs 3. We'll look at it a little closer in a minute. Verse 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. That's what tithing is all about. That's what giving is all about. Let's honor the Lord. So when we give, we're giving to God. (coughs) And we're honoring Him. Jesus taught the right motivation. Honor the Lord. Somebody say honor the Lord. Conversely, let's just play it out. If we don't tithe and give, that's not honoring to God. In fact, it's dishonoring to God to, to take what He has given us. In fact, it all belongs to Him. And He says here... Here's all that I give you. Uh, I want I want 10% of it back, and then whatever else we can, you you feel me leading you to do as far as giving and above the time. But but it all belongs to him, <coughs> and so we're just mere managers of the resources he puts into our care. And so he taught us the right motivation. Number two, he taught us the right method or mindset. Uh, he said, "Do it in secret." You don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Uh, you know, just the, here's the mindset. It's not about me and it's not about those around me. It's between me and God. And you know what? Uh, uh, though I don't watch, you know who watches? God watches. Uh, he watches in secret. Uh, and it says he, he sees and he watches. And so we need the right, uh, 
method and mindset. You know, this is just between me and God. And I'm going to sow this. I'm going to be obedient to this. I'm going to please God. I'm going to be, I'm going to be rightly motivated. I'm going to have the right method. I'm not going to do it out in public. I'm just going to do it between me and God. And then Jesus taught, if you do those two things, there'll be a right manifestation. Now, this is the exciting part, but this is not the motivation. This is the manifestation of a right motivation. How many of you know, ooh, I can preach this in any level. If you got a right motivation and a right methodology and mindset, there will be a manifestation. And the manifestation from God is, He'll see you in secret and will reward you openly. God will bless you. You do something in secret, He'll reward you openly. Think about Cornelius. He was given alms, and his alms ascended before God. God rewarded him openly. His house was the first Gentile house to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Whoop, whoop. Somebody go, whoop, whoop. I said, somebody, well, let me back up. Everybody go, whoop, whoop. (laughs) He got, there was a manifestation. And so when we get this lifestyle down, there will be a manifestation. And I want to tell you, God is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. So let me look at it from another way, another angle. Some discipleship principles on giving that I see in these verses right here. Uh, number one, uh, the first discipleship principle on giving, it's a given. It's, everybody say it's a given. Because you see what Jesus said. He didn't say if you give. Verse two, therefore, when you do a charitable deed. When you give, in other words, it's a given. If you're going to be a disciple, you're going to be a giver. If you're going to, let me just break it down to these three. If you're going to be a real disciple of Jesus Christ, you're going to be a tither. You're going to be a, one who gives all offerings. You're going to be one who gives alms gifts from time to time. It's going to be your nature. Why? Because you're following Jesus. You're becoming like him. He was a giver. He was always blessing. He was always helping. He was feeding people. Amen. It's a given. It's not, it shouldn't be something we've got. Let me just say, there's some things about being a disciple you don't have to pray about. You don't have to pray about giving. You don't have to pray about praying. <laughs> That's a, what is that, an oxymoron or something? I'm going to pray about being, being a pray. You don't have to pray about fasting. Oop. We don't want to go, we don't want to whoop, whoop that, do we? All right. You don't have to pray about being a disciple and making disciples. This is what, who we are. This is what we do. It's a given when you give. Everybody say when you give. Number two, it's an investment. That is true. We're just investing in a higher, on a higher level. How many of you ever made some bad financial investments? Am I the only one that got two or three? In fact, I bought a motorcycle here a while back. I thought it was a great investment. I thought, I'm going to buy this and resell it. I can't hardly give it away. I'm going, man, Pastor Sam, what? You know, how many of you just pray God will bring me a buyer? Amen. I, hallelujah. I receive it in Jesus' name. I, I don't know if it's a bad investment yet because <coughs> I haven't sold it. If I can make a few hundred bucks, I'll be happy. Uh, but uh, you know what? When you invest in God's economy... It's never a bad investment. In fact, look what verse 4 says. Your charitable deed may be be in secret, and the Father and your Father who sees in secret will Himself reward you openly. Look over in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures where? 
in heaven. Somebody say in heaven. Somebody say it out loud in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You need to understand what we give in this life as an investment in that life. And there are times in this life that that investment in this life begins to pay dividends. In fact, Jesus said, give and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Sometimes in my life, when I have given financially, God has rewarded me financially. But then there are times when I've given financially, God has rewarded me in things that money cannot buy. Are you with me? Say amen. So it is an eternal investment. And number three, what we learn about this, this giving, uh, teaching that Jesus gave his disciples and really all that were listening to him. We not only, we, we also learn uh, that it's not only a given and just an investment, but it is a sign or a signal to God. It's a sign. Somebody say it's a sign. Because look in verse four, your father who sees in secret. Everyone say God sees. He's watching. That'd be an interesting study, Jim. I've never done it. What things God's looking for and what He's watching. He said, well, He sees all and knows all. But, but what are some things in Scripture where it says God sees this or He's watching that? And He's watching us today to see how we handle this lifestyle of giving. He's looking at our hearts. He's watching. And so it's a sign. God's looking for some things in us. Because understand something about giving. It's not all about nimbles and it's numbers and nickels. It's not about, you know, paying bills and, 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 and helping people. It's bigger than that. It's a sign. God's looking for something in us that is manifested through us by our generosity and our giving, our lifestyle of giving. Here's three things I see. It's a sign of who or what we are going to treasure in this life. In other words, what's going to be the priority of our life. That's what verse 19 through 21 is all about. When he said this, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroys and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. God is looking for our heart and wondering if this world has us or we have the world. Or if our money has us or we have our money. There's a difference. He's looking at what we treasure and what becomes the priority of God in our life. And listen to me today. If you make... Uh, $50 a day or $5,000 a day. It all belongs to God and you cannot come to a place where you treasure or where it becomes your Lord. Listen, money should be our master. Money should not ever be our master. Or I said that right. We should be the master of our money and money should not master us. And it's based upon what we treasure in life. How many of you know the Bible says that, it, it, that if we're not careful, it, it's like we have holes in our pockets? How many of you know it's easy come, easy go? Are you with me? I mean, it can, it can happen in a hurry. And so, uh, and so God's looking to see what we're going to treasure in this life. Are we going to have eternal treasure? Or are we going to focus on temporal things? It's a sign to Him. And it's really about our hearts. 
For he says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's an issue of the heart. God's looking at our heart to see if money has us or we have our money. Are you with me? Say amen. It's a sign not only of who or what we're going to treasure, but it's a sign of who or what, uh, 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 of who or what we're going to serve. What's, what's going to serve? Are we going to serve God? Or are we going to serve our money? If you look in verse 24, what does he say? He says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. He's looking to see if money, we use money to serve us in the kingdom of God or we become servants of our money. Listen, it's easy to become servants of the money. You know what? The, the, the culture we live in today is, you know what? If you don't have it, just put it on plastic. And all of a sudden, guess what we are? We are slaves to our money. And so God's looking at our heart to see what we treasure. He's looking at our heart to see what we're going to serve. And he said, you can't serve God and serve money. Money has to be the servant of God and the servant of the people of God to serve his kingdom purposes in the earth. It's a sign to God of what we're going to treasure and who we're going to serve. And number three, it's a sign to God because he's watching of who or what we're going to trust. Are we going to put our trust in riches? We're going to put our trust in dollars and cents and in houses and lands. In fact, if you read through Matthew 6 verse 25, all the way down through verse 34, I won't read it all, but look at this. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink. How many of you know worry is the opposite of trust? Nor about your body or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by, pardon me, by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I got to keep reading. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much, much more clothe you, O you of little faith? You see... God looked at his disciples and he began to teach them the lifestyle of a disciple. And he said, listen, this is where you got to land. You got to land on giving. You got to be a giver when you give. And let me tell you, uh, because if you don't get this, I can't trust you and you can't trust me. How many of you know to be a disciple, you got to trust God? And how many of you know in order for you to be an effective disciple, God has to be able to trust you. And he's saying to his disciples right here, hey, listen, if you'll just get this down and you'll quit serving money and let money begin to serve you and you you just realize, hey, uh, that you know what? It's not about money. It's about God. He's going to take care of you, the birds, the fish, all these things. God takes care of them. You've got to trust me with your resources. When it comes to tithing, you've got to trust me. When it comes to offering, you've got to trust me. <coughs> when it comes... To alms gift, you've got to trust me because I'll take good care of you. 
You put your priorities straight. He says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Somebody say amen. And so here's some principles that you and I need to get about giving. Whether it's the tithe or the, or the, or the offering or the alms gift. It's a given. It's, it just should be our lifestyle. Number two, it's an investment for eternity. Number three, it's a sign. God looking to see how we handle the resources. And let me just tell you something today. If God were to bless you like he blessed Derek Carr, all of a sudden you went from the outhouse to the White House. And a windfall of millions of dollars came into your care. God's watching just like he was watching. In fact, understand something. Derek Carr proved a principle. The Bible says, if you're faithful in the little things, I'll give you much. And so when he was in college tithing on $700 a month, he was given 70, he was tithing. And so now, I don't know if anybody's done the nickels and numbers and the the hundred, what'd you say? Five, so that's going to be 20-something million dollars a year. Uh, so that's like two and a half. Well, of course, that before tithes and tithes. Who knows? A couple million dollars a year in tithes. Who's your daddy? I remember a story a preacher said once. A guy came to him and said, man, I'm in trouble. I need help financially. I'm going under. I'm losing everything. The pastor brought him in and said, well, I'll help you if I can. He gave him some money to kind of help pay his bills. And he said, now, can I help mentor you through this? He said, oh, yes, pastor. He said, okay, let's start at the, at the beginning. How much do you owe? All this stuff. How much do you make? It was, you know, a few hundred bucks a week. He said, now, are you tithing? He said, no. He said, well, that's where it all begins. He started, he said, okay, are you going to tithe? He said, I'm going to tithe. Then he started telling him, teaching him things. So he started tithing. And lo and behold, things began to turn around. Business began to change. And in a few weeks, his tithe started going up. In a few months, his tithe started going up. He went from, you know, $20, $30 a week to in a couple of years, he was tithing uh, a whole lot of money. In fact, he was become, getting close to being a millionaire. It just happened miraculously. And three or four years, he came back and he, he said, Pastor, I, I need, I, I'm in a quandary. He said, what? He said, you know, God blessed me. Yeah, he blessed you, man. God's faithful. He said, now business is a little different and my financial advisors are telling me I'm giving too much to charitable donations. My 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 CPAs and people think I need to re and rethink how I'm divvying up, and they're suggesting that I cut back on my on my charitable giving and my and my tithes and offerings. And he said, "Would you pray for me?" He said, "Oh, yeah, I'll be happy to pray for you." So the past, they said, "Bow our heads." He bowed his head. And he said, "Dear Lord, you remember this man when he didn't have anything, and how you blessed him when he began to tithe." And now he has so much that he can't afford to tithe. 
Please take away all that you've given him. So he then, then began to a tithe again. And the, and the guy stopped him in the mid prayer. No, don't pray that. I get the picture. I get the picture. It's an attitude of the heart. Amen. God's looking. Everybody say God's looking. So quickly, let me give you some just bigger biblical principles here from, from other passages of scripture, not just these four verses. Here we go. Are you ready? You write these down or take a picture when I'm done. We are to give willingly. Scripture teaches that. In fact, we'll look at 2 Corinthians 9 in just a moment, but it says we shouldn't give grudgingly. Ezra 3, 5 talks about the people came and willingly gave what they call a free will offering. Everyone say willingly gave. There was a willingness among the people. You study that in the New, in the Old Testament, it's great. People, especially when they were, I think this may even be when they began to rebuild the temple. Man, people came, they were excited, they willingly gave. It was a free will offering. It was not a tithe, it was a free will offering. We are to give willingly, not grudgingly. Listen, that just tells a lot about our heart. Number two, the scripture teaches that we are to give consistently. How many of you know, that under normal circumstances, we, we gain consistent. When you have a job, you have consistent increase, right? Every week you get a paycheck. I don't know of anybody that goes to work on a regular consistent basis uh, that doesn't regularly consistently get a paycheck, okay? Unless you're self-employed and you can't afford to pay everybody, pay yourself, but you have to pay everybody else. I've been there. I've done that. Uh, but uh, uh, by and large... There, there has to be a consistent income in order for us to live and move and have our being. And the scripture teaches, uh, that from the first fruits, Proverbs 3, 9, from the first fruits of all your increase, you offer to God a tithe. It's a consistency. It's not sporadic. How many of you want God's blessing on your life consistently? All right. How many of you want to, want to have a consistent harvest coming into your life? All right. How many of you appreciate the fact of a consistent paycheck? I don't know if you've ever been in a place where, where the paycheck stopped. Uh, that's a little, uh, you have to really trust God then. But, but from the reality of giving, we are to give consistently, not sporadically, but consistently. Number three, we are to give sacrificially. Now, I believe there are times when God looks to us to offer a great sacrifice of giving. And I'm not talking about just of our time and our talents. I am talking. This is primarily about our treasure. Mark chapter 12, verse 42. Jesus was watching people as they gave. Jesus was counting what people were giving when they gave. Now, that, that should be private. We're supposed to do that in secret. Well, God's watching. Everybody say, God's watching. He's watching. Oh, I could tell you, stop and tell you a story, but I won't. Uh, about someone, how many of you know you shouldn't rob from God with, by not giving, but you certainly shouldn't rob from the tithes, right? Woo! I won't tell that story. But we give sacrifices. God's watching these rich people give. And the Bible says they gave out of their abundance. Now, let me just say, there's nothing wrong with that. 
Man, I, you know what? I believe God wants to bless us so much so we can give out of our abundance. So we're not always going, can I afford to give? Or man, how am I going to have to jockey this? What am I going to have to cut back so I can give to Haiti? What am I going to have to quit eating or what am I quit doing so I can give more to mission? You know, God wants to, in fact, I'm praying right now, God will bless some of you so much that you have so much abundance that you'd be like Bill Gates. He realized, I got to give this away. I got too much. I got to give this away. There's a guy named R.G. Letourneau. There's Letourneau University in Longview. He was a believer. He was also a very inventive guy. He invented uh, a lot of the floating uh, uh, oil derricks out in the ocean in the early days. He invented tractor-type stuff. He was, a, he was a master inventor. God blessed him so much that he started giving 90% away and living on 10. It's a great story of R.G. Letourneau and Letourneau University. And, and uh, man, how many of you know that'd be awesome? Uh, but there are times... When, when God requires us to give sacrificially. And God looked and there was a little widow. She gave two mites. That's just barely anything. That's a half a penny. It's something, it's some little insignificant. And, and God was watching. Jesus was watching. And he took note of that gift. And he said, she's given more than all of you together. Why? Because she gave sacrificially. In fact, she gave all she had. You guys are given out of your abundance. That's fine and good. But hey, let's take note. God really sees when we sacrifice. Are you with me? Say amen. And I believe there are times, and if you, if you've ever read Robert Morris' book on the blessed life, and I would suggest that. In fact, we ought to go through the video again sometime. Living the blessed life. (coughs) He talked about sacrificial giving. That there are many times in his life when God told him to give his cars away and really sacrifice. And you know what? I can't argue with the guy. He, he's the pastor of one of the most dynamic, blessed churches in America today. But he's a sacrificial giver. So we're to give willingly, consistently, sacrificially. And number four, generously. Everybody say generously. Second Corinthians 9. I encourage you to read eight, chapter 8 and 9. Basically, it says this. It says, don't give grudgingly, but give generously. Be generous. I'll never forget years ago, I was in a conference. There was a, uh, oh, who, Jesse Duplantis was speaking. And, uh, and so I, I, uh, I, I enjoyed Jesse. And at the end, we took up a big offering for Jesse. They were taking up an offering. Uh, and as they started the offering... He, 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 he wasn't taking it. He stepped up. He said, now, before you give, the Lord spoke to me that everything you give today, I'm going to give to this missionary on the front row. And he pointed to Larry Myers, my dear friend. Well, I had in my wallet, I had a five and a 50 or something like that. I had the five in my hand. And when he did that, I put it back and took the 50. I don't know. I said, man, I'm not going to chinch Larry Myers. I'm going to be generous. Got to be generous. In fact, we, I don't know what time it is because I gave my phone away, but I had an hour. Look over in Proverbs 11. I want to show you this. Uh, turn to Proverbs 11. I want you to see this. This, this. this verse came alive in me when I was preparing this message. I just want to read it. Verse 24. Are you there? Say amen. There, there is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to what? Poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. 
and he who waters will also be watered himself. I love that. There's one who scatters, that sows and gives, yet he increases more. But there's one who withholds more than is right, and it leads to poverty. Everyone say, the generous soul will be made rich. Tell somebody, the generous soul will be made rich. So do we, we're to give generously. And, and then number five, five, we're to give cheerfully. Everybody smile. In fact, I noticed a little something when everybody started giving a little alms gift. I saw people perk up a little bit. They're kind of, whoo, whoo, I'll help. Oh, I want to help. I want to help somebody. Uh, uh, hey, give cheerfully. He said, don't be give grudgingly, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, but give cheerfully for God loves a what? Cheerful giver. Say that. God loves, God loves. a cheerful giver. God doesn't love it. Well, he loves us all. But man, when we are cheerful about it, he just loves that. It blesses him. It honors him. In fact, the Greek Hebrew uh, uh, kind of root word for cheerful giver is hilarious happy giver. Everybody go, ha, 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 ha. Everybody, here we go. See, some of you, you just think I ain't doing that. Well, you're no fuddy-duddy this, this morning. Everybody go, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> That's what he said, man. When you give, just get happy. Give hilariously. Give cheerfully. And then number six, we're all to give expectantly. Luke 6, 38. This is, this is written in red. You listen. Jesus said this. Now, this is what, this is what I, you, let me just tell you something. Jesus is not out to get your stuff. Tell somebody, Jesus isn't out to get your stuff. Tell somebody, Jesus isn't out to get your stuff. He doesn't want your stuff because it all belongs to him anyway. In fact, if he wants your stuff, he'll just take your stuff. He can do it. He can let the devil do it. You say, no, the devil can't touch me. Well, if God lets him, he can. Have you read Job? In fact, let me just tell you something. God doesn't care about your stuff near as much as you do. <laughs> oh, look at my stuff. I got some stuff, man. I love stuff. How many of you just, come on, how many of you appreciate stuff? I do, man. I appreciate stuff. Air conditioning? Man. I love fishing gear. You know the fifth law of fishing? You can never have too much equipment. That's just part of it. We, Love those things. But it, it all belongs to God. And God's not out to get your stuff. In fact, the Bible says He gives you all good things to enjoy. God wants to bless you. Tell somebody else, God wants to bless you. He does want to bless you, and He wants to bless you real good. But we've, and we've got to expect that from the Father. Because there's what Jesus had written in red, Luke 6, 38. He said, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. So we're to give willingly. We're to give consistently. We're to give sacrificially, generously, cheerfully, and expectantly. You see, if we're going to be a disciple and a disciple maker, we've got to live the lifestyle of giving. You can. Get that microphone down there. Come here, Laura Beth. We've got to be willing to give. I'm already emotional because 
That's just who I am. Oh, yes. She's married. She's married. She's her daughter's, her mother's daughter. Yes. Okay. I'm shaking it off. I just wanted to share a testimony of the goodness of God and, and how if you practice, if you put this into practice, how much I'll bless you. Um, seven years ago, Josh and I got married. And before we got married, we just, we went through a budget. Like, what, how, how much is this going to cost? What, where are we going to do with this money? And we both worked. He was an entry level engineer at Energy. And I was a teacher at Lumberton. And, um, so we were starting off pretty well. And I remember in our budget meeting, we made this decision. We're going to give. And we're not only we're going to tithe, but we're going to budget money every month to give to people who need. And so, we did that, and it was hard at first because we had both gotten new careers out of college, and we were like, we're making money now, let's keep the money. I mean, what happens when you go from college to having a career? You go from zero money to, oh, I have money, and you immediately want to hold on to it. But we did. We we decided to start giving, and um, I taught for a year after we got married, and we had started trying to have a baby, and it wasn't working when we wanted it to. And then uh, Lumberton, well, the whole state of Texas cut the, the education budget. And our school laid off any new teacher, which included me. And that was heartbreaking because I wasn't having a baby and I just lost my job. What am I going to do? Nobody's hiring teachers. Well, that next week, we found out we were pregnant with our firstborn son. And that was hugely exciting. And then, uh, but I had lost my job. Um, my last paycheck was going to be in August. And in July, he said, I got this opportunity to apply for this other job at this contract firm. And I said, well, you know, go for it. Let's try, let's try it out. Well, he was salaried at his other job. And he walked in. He's like, he told me, Laura, there's scriptures posted on the wall. This, this place, the atmosphere was so awesome. It'd be a great place to work. The, the owners are Christians. And I said, well, how much are they going to pay you? <laughs> and he said, X amount of dollars per hour. I said, well, how much is that throughout the year? He goes, I don't know. I haven't done the math. And so he got home. We did the math. And it was exactly the amount of money we had made together. And so then I was going to be a mommy and I was going to live my dream. <laughs> and the Lord loved us enough to take care of my, my salary and bless us. And he's given us so many opportunities. And now we know because we live this out daily and we look for opportunities to give because we know God is good and he loves the cheerful giver. That's why I'm crying so much. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. LBZ. Woo, man. That's cheerful to me. Ha, 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 ha. Now, let me just say, let me, let me bring it, let me break it down for you. Put yourself in my shoes. How that makes a father feel to hear that. What do you think God feels? What do you think God feels? He loves it. 
And he says, you think you're in trouble? You just let me take over. You let me show. In fact, Malachi 3 is the only place I know, especially concerning money, where God says, let me just prove it to you. Prove me now herewith, saith, saith the Lord. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Let's stand together. Father, today we thank you for the word of God and the testimony of others. Not just Laura, but even Jim and Trish. And even the testimony of this unknown recipient of these dollars that we've gathered up. Lord, we bless you and we thank you that you're lifting us to another level of faith concerning our finances. Lord, we trust you. Lord, you're looking, you're seeing, you're watching to see if we're going to trust you, if we're going to serve you or serve money. If we're going to treasure money above you. Lord, you're looking at our hearts. And Lord, we just give you our hearts and we just pray, Lord. We ask you, Lord, if there's ever, if there's areas of selfishness in us that we want to hang on to and keep back. We just pray, Lord, you'd help us be generous givers, happy givers, faithful, consistent, willing givers just like you are and have been for us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.